The Coram Deo Church Community is a missional church rooted in historic, biblical Christianity and committed to cultural engagement. We hope the message you're about to hear spurs you to deeper reflection on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening. Our scripture this morning is Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 16 through 36. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, when the house of Israel lived in their own land, they defiled it by their ways and their deeds. Their ways before me were like the uncleanness of a woman in her menstrual impurity. So I poured out my wrath upon them for the blood they had shed in the land, for the idols with which they had defiled it. I scattered them among the nations, and they were dispersed through the countries. In accordance with their ways and their deeds, I judged them. But when they came to the nations, wherever they came, they profaned my holy name. In the people that said of them, these are the people of the Lord, and yet they had to go out of his land. But I had concern for my holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the nations to which they came. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, it is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I'm about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. And I will vindicate my holiness of my great name, which has been profaned, and which you have profaned among the nations. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you to your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean from all your uncleanness and from all your idols. I will cleanse you, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put in you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. And you shall dwell in the land that I give to your fathers, and you shall be my people, and I will be your God. And I will deliver you from all your uncleannesses. And I will summon the grain and make it abundant and lay no famine on you. I will make the fruit of the tree and the increase of the field abundant, that you may never again suffer the disgrace of famine among the nations." then you will remember your evil ways and the deeds that were not good, and you will loathe yourselves for your iniquities and your abominations. It is not for your sake that I will act, declares the Lord God. Let it be known to you. Be ashamed and confounded for your ways, O house of Israel. Thus says the Lord God, on the day that I will cleanse you from all your iniquities, I will cause the cities to be inhabited, and the waste places shall be rebuilt, and the land that was desolate shall be tilled, instead of being the desolation that it was in the sight of all who passed by. And they will say, this land that was desolate has become like the Garden of Eden, and the waste 
and desolate and ruined cities are now fortified and inhabited. Then the nations that are left all around you shall know that I am the Lord. I have rebuilt the ruined places and replanted that which was desolate. I am the Lord. I have spoken and I will do it. The word of God for the people of God. Well, good morning, church. Happy Mother's Day. Uh, to those of you who are at that stage where you feel absolutely overwhelmed with little children, to those of you who perhaps have children scattered all across the country, to those who this day creates in you a, a sense of loss, and to those of you who sense that feeling that um, maybe never will have, three things. One, so glad you're here among God's people. Two, after being around this church for the last 15 years, I can assure you, you are not alone. And three, and even better, the Lord invites you into his gracious presence this morning. If you're joining us down in the fellowship hall or on the live stream, and if you're new with us here at Coram Deo, my name is Justin. I serve alongside Nick and, and others as one of the elders here. Uh, we have been looking at the story of Christianity through the lens of the kingdom of God. From Genesis to Revelation, the kingdom of God is this long, unifying thing that we can hook different aspects of the Bible on. And in our short time together this morning, I want to hone in on the prophets and the kingdom of God. The prophets and the kingdom of God. The prophetic books in the Bible are one of the largest sections of the Bible. And if we're honest with one another, it can be quite confusing and even overwhelming. They're filled with such dense poetry and strange imagery, and yet they are super important for understanding God's overall story. What seemed to be on the forefront of the prophet's mind, as we see throughout the Old Testament, is the relationship that God's people had with their creator God, these covenants. Uh, if you look back throughout the Old Testament from Noah uh, to Moses to Abraham to uh, King David, you see God creating these covenants with his people that God calls and rescues his people and invites them to be a nation of justice and generosity and goodness that would represent his character to the world. In other words, God's people were to live in a distinct way that put on display to the world the kingdom of God. Listen to what Graham Goldsworthy has to say in his book, The Gospel in the Kingdom. He said the prophetic office is closely related to the conditions laid down for enjoyment of the covenant blessings. Although Israel's salvation has for its basis God's gracious acts in saving the people out of Egypt, there is a close link between enjoyment of the final outcome of salvation and Israel's obedience. At first sight, this seems or appears to mean that Israel's salvation is achieved by obedience to the law, but this is not so. Grace comes first in the saving acts of God. Then the law binds the saved people to God as his people. 
Should these people refuse to accept the responsibility to live as God's people, then they must suffer removal from the land of blessing. And if you were with us last week, we saw how the leaders, the priests, and the kings led God's people astray, and they refused to accept their responsibility as God's people. And that's where the prophets come in, right? Very simply, the prophets spoke the word of God to the people of God. They were sounding alarms of warning that something was not right. The prophets spoke the word of God, warning Israel and calling them to repent and turn back to live as God's people in God's place under God's rule. Additionally, the prophets spoke the word of God into the near future about this coming day of the Lord. Should they not repent, there was going to be a day that was on the horizon for Israel where they would be overwhelmed and they would fall at the hand of other nations. The prophets also speak the word of God even further out into the future, speaking of a day when God would ultimately return to judge the wickedness and injustice on the earth and restore his kingdom to its fullness in the new heavens and the new earth. See, these persistent warnings that were spoken to the people of God were intended to be invitations for God's people to heed the word of God, to receive the word of God, to obey the word of God, to turn from their pride and from their arrogance, to turn from their idolatry and self-sufficiency, and ultimately to find their refuge and their trust in their safety, in the presence of God. You see, the prophets show us over and over and over again throughout the Old Testament that the progress of God's kingdom depends upon the heeding of the word of God. And this was a word that went out to God's people that most refused to listen to. They ignored it, they rejected it, they neglected it. And what's interesting about the Bible is oftentimes what's true for them then is also true for us now. Preaching 101 says that before you stand up to preach the word of God to anybody, you have to start by preaching the word of God to yourself. Okay? Um, I stand before you as a man who loves the Bible. I love the Bible. I believe the Bible. I believe that the Bible is the authoritative word of God and that our lives should be oriented around what it has to say to us. But I'm also a man who's convicted that I all too often neglect and ignore the word of God. Just a few weeks ago, I gathered uh, a group of friends together to study the practice of spiritual disciplines, of Bible reading and of prayer, and um, to spend a few weeks together just kind of committing to doing that. And I told them week one, we are here because of me. <laughs> We're here because I need this. Like, I need this more than you. When it comes to engaging the word of God, when it comes to prayer, I've become a master at having to restart over and over again. And I wonder how much of that is true for you as well. See, I'm not here to convince you that engaging the word of God is easy, but I do want to be really clear that the word of God is essential for the progress of the kingdom of God. The word of God is essential for the progress of the kingdom of God. And just like God's people in the day of the prophets, you need the word of God. You need the word of God because it's honest. You need the word of God because it's 
hopeful. And that's exactly what we see in Ezekiel 36 that Darby just read for us. God is speaking his honest and his hopeful word to his people. Why? Because they need to hear it. And so do we. So let's take a look. Uh, You need the honest word of God. You need the honest word of God. In 1996, this would have been 25 years ago, I would have been a freshman in high school. This was back when the Nebraska Cornhuskers were relevant as a football team, okay? It's a day long, long ago. A couple of MIT researchers looking at the direction that things were going with this new technology called the internet warned of a potential dark side in this newly connected world. Here's what they said. Individuals empowered to screen out material that does not conform to their existing preferences may form virtual cliques, insulate themselves from opposing points of view, and reinforce their biases. Internet users can seek out interactions with like-minded individuals who have similar values and thus become less likely to trust important decisions to people whose values differ from their own. I think it very well captures the echo chambers that we can often find ourselves in today. It's not hard to go somewhere to hear what you want to hear. It's true about us now, but hey, this is not a new problem. There's this great story, I think it would be considered a tragic comedy back in 1 Kings 22. You don't need to go there, but it tells the story of King Ahab of Israel. And King Jehoshaphat was the king of Judah at that time. The kingdom was divided, and King Jehoshaphat was making his way to Israel to King Ahab. And King Ahab had this plan where he said, hey, I want to attack Ramoth-Gilead. And Jehoshaphat said, I'm on board, but let's, let's get a word from the prophets before we go and commit to doing this very thing. So the thing about King Ahab is he had like 400 prophets Yes, men around him. Uh, And they were all saying, yeah, go. Go attack. Go up and triumph. The Lord will give it into your hand. And King Jehoshaphat said, there's something off here. Is there not a a word from the one true God? And this is what uh, King Ahab says. He says, there is yet one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord, Micaiah, the son of Imlah, but I hate him. For he never prophesies good concerning me, but evil. Right? We love hearing what we want to hear. We don't want to hear people opposing us or speaking honest truth to us. This is where the comedy becomes a tragedy, is because the prophet, Micaiah, comes, says to him, hey, I've had this vision of Israel being scattered across the mountain like sheep who have no shepherd. It says, if you go into battle, you will surely die. King Ahab ignores it, goes into battle, and dies. Right? This is the nature of who we are. We're all inclined to want people to tell us what we want to hear, even when we know it's not for our ultimate good. That's why you need the honest word of God. So look with me, look with me at Ezekiel 36, starting in verse 16. Again, the prophets use this dramatic descriptive language. Here we see Ezekiel say, The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, when the house of Israel lived in their own land, they defiled it by their ways and their deeds. Their ways before me were like the uncleanness of a woman in her menstrual impurity. So I poured out my wrath upon them for the blood they had shed in the land. 
for the idols with which they had defiled it. Israel had been living, um, rebelling against God's rule, shedding blood in the land. They'd been mistreating one another. They had not been preserving justice. They had not been protecting the oppressed. They'd been giving themselves over to the worship of idols, of created things, rather than the creator. This is the honest truth. And it goes on in verse 19 to say, I scattered them among the nations, and they were dispersed throughout the countries. In accordance with their ways and their deeds, I judged them. Because they had rebelled against God's rule, God scattered them out of his place. He exiled them. And then in verse 20, it says, But when they came to the nations, wherever they came, they profaned my holy name, and that the people have said of them, These are the people of the Lord, yet they had to go out of his land. Again, keep in mind, God's people were intended to be a picture to the world about what his kingdom was supposed to look like. And we see here in the text, they are not doing anything like that. Right? They are they're profaning the name of the Lord, and God is speaking this honest truth to them. How can we be confident that God will be honest with us and not merely tell us what we want to hear? I think that's a question we have to answer because I think we all are prone to just tell people what they want to hear. You ever been at a party uh, where somebody's walking away from the appetizer table, right? And they've got like a big chunk of lettuce in their teeth or lipstick on their teeth. And you start to have this dialogue in your head. You're like, I couldn't make this moment just really awkward for them for a moment. But no, I think I'm not going to. And I'd rather just have them go humiliate themselves in front of everybody else, right? We have a hard time speaking what's true about being honest with people. And it's kind of you know, fun when you think about a social party, but it's a different story altogether when you're talking about the husband who's being harsh with his wife. And man, I could... I could go and say some honest truth to him, but ah, I don't think I will. And I just walk away and allow him to go home and, and take his wife's dignity and shrink it more and more just another week because I'm a little hesitant to make him feel uncomfortable. Or for our friends, those that we're walking with who are struggling with alcohol or struggling with impure relationship boundaries and Man, rather than, rather than having a tough conversation, rather than walking in and saying, hey, I, this is going to be hard, this is going to be a challenging word for you, but I feel convicted that I need to speak some truth to you in love right now, rather, we let it go for another week as they spiral even further into darkness. How do we know that God's not like us? How do we know that God is going to speak truth to us when we need to hear it? Well, friends, I tell you, it's because God cares more about the holiness of his name than he cares about your momentary happiness. We see this really clearly here in the text. Join me in verse 21. God says, but I had concern for my holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the nations to which they came. Therefore, Say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, it is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I'm, about to act, that I'm about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, going further down, and I will vindicate the holiness of my great name. The end of verse 23, when through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. Friends, you can have confidence that God will speak the honest truth to you because he cares more about the holiness of his name 
then he cares about your momentary happiness. Trust me, that is good news. That's a God that you want to worship, a God who is passionate about his glory, and then through his glory, you experiencing his goodness. The word of God is essential for the progress of the kingdom of God because it's honest. And you need the honest word of God. Now, keep in mind, God does not operate in uh, the cancel culture that we find ourselves in today, right? And that also is good news, that God's not honest with you pointing out your sins, pointing out your shortcomings, your, your wounds, your weaknesses, and saying, hey, because of what I see in you, I want to remove you, delete you, cancel you from the kingdom of God. No. His love is steadfast. He leads with grace and mercy. Honesty, yes, but forgiveness and hope, which drives home the reality that you need the hopeful word of God. How many of you came to church this morning, besides it being baby dedication, but you came to church this morning because you wanted to be renewed in your hope? Right? You wanted to be refreshed by the gospel. You wanted some good news, some hope that was grounded in truth. The type of hope that pulls you forward into another week. The hope that breathes confidence into you. The hope that God's people will ultimately return to God's place and submit to God's rule. Well, looking far into the future, that is the hope that Ezekiel gave to them then. And that's what Ezekiel is giving to us now. Who here feels displaced? Who here feels like you don't fit? Like you don't belong? That even among the people of God, you just feel out of place? That your place um, would feel better maybe on like the island of misfit toys, right? Like you just don't have a home. You need the hopeful word of God. Ezekiel 36, 24. I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. God says, if you are one of mine, I have a place for you. I have a home for you. And I'm going to gather you up and bring you there. Who here has felt the uncleanliness and the filth of sin, right? Who here feels just the, the, the stain of shame on your heart? Has your heart ever been so overwhelmed by shame that you just have the hardest time even catching a deep breath? How many of you here are barely holding on to hope because of what you know you have done in the past or, or who are barely holding on to hope because of what's been done to you in the past? Perhaps you're sitting in here this morning with things that you, you've told yourself you are taking to the grave, you're not sharing with anybody. You, too, need the hopeful word of God. And God does not say, there's the soap, there's the water, go over there and clean yourself up. Oh, no. Verse 25. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanliness. 
and from all your idols I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. How many of you this morning feel like you're in a constant battle with temptation and sin? Perhaps that battle feels like one loss after another after another. You really want to hear and you really want to obey the word of God. You desperately want to live a beautiful, strong, kingdom-exalting life. But deep down, something in you just tells you you do not have what it takes. You need the hopeful word of God. Because see, God doesn't say, I'm going to give you one more chance to get it right. God doesn't say, okay, okay, we'll see. Start again tomorrow. We'll see how well you do. No. Verse 27. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. And you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. And you shall be my people, and I will be your God. You ever hit a stretch of life where you feel like God's just working against you? Like you can't catch a break? Like it feels like one obstacle, one challenge after another? You ever doubt that God's for you? You need the hopeful word of God. And he says, and I will deliver you from all your uncleanliness and I will summon the grain and make it abundant and lay no famine upon you. And I will make the fruit of the tree and the increase of the field abundant that you may never again suffer the disgrace of famine among the nations. And there's this warning in here that we see the prophet giving that says, hey, and when things start to go your way, don't start getting prideful like you've done in the past. No, he says, then you will remember your evil ways and your deeds that were not good, and you will loathe yourselves for your iniquities. God's saying, stay away from pride, stay away from arrogance, stay away from self-sufficiency, stay in the place of humble, broken, contrite, dependence, expectancy, need upon the Lord because God does oppose the proud, but he wants to give grace to the humble and his grace flows downhill. Thus says the Lord God, on that day I will cleanse you from all your iniquities and I will cause the cities to be inhabited and the waste places shall be rebuilt. And the land that was desolate shall be tilled instead of being the desolation that it was in the sight of all who passed by. And they will say this land that was desolate has become like the garden of Eden, and the waste and desolation of ruined cities are now fortified and inhabited. And the nations that are left all around you shall know that I am the Lord. I have rebuilt the ruined places and replanted that which was desolate. Do you see God acting for his glory and that resulting in your good? Do you hear the echoes of the Garden of Eden? Right? Do you hear this foretaste of the new heavens and the new earth? God's people returning to God's place with a new capacity to submit to God's rule. How can we be sure? 
I'm not sure if you guys have seen the uh, cinematic gold that is The Mandalorian. Anybody seen The Mandalorian? Okay, right, just tremendous storytelling and writing, like it will just grip you from episode one. There's this character um, that I don't quite know his name, but he's got, this, he's got this line where he says, I have spoken, you familiar with this? Right, he'll be in this dialogue with a Mandalorian and he's kind of saying some things that are true, he's declaring some things, and then when he's done and he wants the conversation to be over, he just says, I have spoken. Which is a great tool, parents. Um, I found that for the, for the couple weeks afterwards, I could just say, hey, go clean your room. I have spoken. <laughs> Finish your dinner. I have spoken. Right? And, you know, it kind of becomes a game, right? And the kids enjoy it. it it's, this, it's this mic drop moment where it's just like conversations over. Right? There may not be a better mic drop moment than what we see at the end of verse 36 here, where God says, I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it. The word of God, it says what it does, and then it does what it says. The word of God says what it does, and then it does what, it's, does what it says. Nowhere is that more clearly seen than in the person of Jesus Christ. Nowhere. Because see, in Jesus, when, when we keep going in the Gospels, and I can't wait for next week, I can't wait for when we turn the corner into the Gospels and we see the presence of the kingdom of God break through and manifest itself in the person of Jesus Christ. But as the kingdom continues to unfold, we see that the word of God, according to John 1.14, the word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth, full of honesty and hope. The word of God is personified in the person of Jesus Christ. So with that said, two invitations as we close. Number one, the gospel invitation is to receive the hope of the word of God in and through the person of Jesus Christ. He is the one in whom all God's promises, all of God's hope, our hope in God's promises, find their yes and amen. So would you this morning be caught up in the story of God by placing your faith in the person of Jesus Christ and receiving a new heart and a new spirit? Invitation number two. Would you renew your commitment to living a life submitted to to the word of God. And empowered by his grace and truth, allow the word of God to be the instrument that is used to teach, to correct, and to train you in what it means to live into the fullness and the beauty of the kingdom of God. The word of God is essential for the progress of the kingdom of God out there and in here. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, it's through your presence that we are made aware of the ways that we fail to hear and obey the word of God. Would you give us the courage and the strength that we need to confess to you and each other the ways that we're prone to resist 
the ways that we're prone to ignore, um, the ways we're prone to neglect the word of God. Thank you that your kingdom is coming, that in so many ways, even this morning, we've already been celebrating your kingdom breaking in. Thank you that your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We want more of that. We want it for our good. We want it ultimately for your glory. Because we long to be a people of God's kingdom, would you form us to become a people of God's word? We pray this in Jesus' good name. Amen.